Welcome to SaltCast. Uh, my name is Bob Turner and I serve as the director of the Sunset Academy of Leadership Training, otherwise known as SALT. And we appreciate you tuning in today. I have two very special guests, one of which is J.J. Frazier, who serves as an elder with the church in Chesapeake, Virginia, and is also known for some other areas, which I'm going to let him tell you about in just a few moments. And as well, Chuck Ramsher, who serves with the Princess Anne Congregation in Virginia Beach. And so welcome, Chuck. Welcome, J.J. Thank you. Appreciate you guys being a part of this assault cast. A number of areas that I'm looking forward to us discussing in this session and other sessions ahead. But I thought it'd be good for us to begin, uh, Brother Frazier, with you giving us some information about your background. Tell us a little bit about, I know that you have some military experience and I'd like you to tell us about that. And tell us how that led you to the focus on leadership and leadership development when it comes to the church. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, to begin with, um, I guess uh, you've already said that I have uh, serve as an elder in the congregation here in Chesapeake. I've faithfully done that for 15 years now. And prior to that, I was actually working as the president of the Joint Force of Staff College here in uh, Virginia. And that is a organization that serves all military organizations. And what I tried to do during that time frame was, if there were opportunity, introduce as many people as I could, both domestic and international, to the congregations. Uh, there were opportunities for me. People were searching uh, during that time frame uh, for that five-year period that I sat there as the uh, leader of that organization. And so I saw at that time, based on questions that came up as just the president of the college, questions about leadership and where good leadership came from, even though these were military officers that were spread out across the world, uh, in that capacity, I had 10,500 um, international students and domestic students. I had a staff of 300 faculty, and we had over 300 senior fellows who came through. And it's interesting that of all of those that were there, many came to ask the president, hey, can you tell us a little bit about leadership? And I, I think part of that question stemmed from uh, the example that I tried to lead as a servant leader and based on my background in the church. Because I think there is no greater leader than someone who has served in the church and knows how to simply talk to people. And that's the greatest thing about the Bible. We learn humility. We learn how to control ourselves. We learn how to step up to the plate when it's necessary. And people saw that as an example. And so I had the privilege of being a servant leader and an example while there at the college. Now, prior to that, I spent 30 years in the military, as I had mentioned to you before, uh, serving in uh, numerous capacities from the juniorist lieutenant all the way up through a uh, full bird colonel. 
And uh, I was up for general officer before I retired. And I felt at that time, instead of going into the serious political side of the house, since I had been asked to serve as an elder, I could not do the two responsibilities and decided to retire and defer to a greater responsibility, which is the body of Christ. Right. Now, I make that point because earlier in my career, um, I had gone through the Gulf War and I earlier I was telling you a, a little bit of a story while I was in um, Iraq, um, dealing with a lot of soldiers that were under my charge. Uh, we had a lot of issues and people were just, even though they had been trained as soldiers, people were scared. We were in the middle of war and there were many things that we saw and we participated in and where when we actually deployed over to Iraq, believe it or not, we were not allowed to bring our Bibles but I actually decided I was bringing mine anyway. And I, and I always kept it with me and I always read my Bible. And I, I got to a point where during uh, the actual war, I, I, after praying and, and thinking about all the things that were going on, I, I just recognized, came to the conclusion that there's more to life than this. And that's where I began formulating the idea of writing a book to talk about my experiences and take a look at both physical warfare and then comparing that to spiritual warfare, which I'll get to later, which became the genesis of my book. Right. Um, so with that, uh, I'm, I'm a highly decorated officer. I have a Bronze Star and the National Defense Service Medal. Uh, as my uh, highest degrees. I had the opportunity to pursue uh, my education. I have two master's degree, a, ma a, a master's of strategic studies from the Army War College to include a, a master's of uh, administration from Central Michigan University. I'm a University of Georgia undergraduate. And in my later years, I've started trying to work on my doctorate uh, and trying to get a, uh, a doctorate in leadership, which I want to complete. I've been, it's, it's high on my agenda, but as you know, um, serving as an elder, more priorities come up than what I can, I've been able to count. So uh, those are things that I have to do in, in my work. Um, but all of that is to say that um, I've just really rec noticed, recognized, and understood uh, through all of my career and from the time that I retired to this point, there is a serious void of leadership, not only in our country, but especially in our churches. And quite frankly, if we can't get the leadership right in our country, where the church is a source of what sources our country, we know that there's going to be a deficit of leadership in the church. And I've explained to many, many people 
that it starts with the nucleus of the home. If we don't get it right in the home, if, if we allow the continued breakdown of home, the home in our society, the void in leadership is just going to get larger and larger. And so I begin to dedicate my life and my focus on how do we prepare young leaders. Now, some people will say that, well, we have the Boy Scouts, we have all these other auxiliary organizations that do those types of things. But most people who are paying attention have already realized that the Boy Scouts have been destroyed. And the pattern for their destruction was already laid in. And they got away from a lot of the biblical principles that they used to look at when, even when I grew up, I, I started off in the Boy Scouts uh, early on before I ever went in the military as a young lad. But there were men there who talked with biblical principles. And then after a while, all of that was cut out. And it was a, um, an idea that they could extend out to a broader um, uh, society, a, a broader base. Well, today, the Boy Scouts are no more. Right. And so my goal is to simply bring back as much as we can to developing young leaders. And it's based on a lot of what I've learned throughout my military career and having served in military leadership positions for over 30 years. That's awesome stuff. JJ, uh, yes, Chuck. Chuck here. <laughs> uh, first, I just want to say thank you so much for your service, uh, not only to our country, but uh, also to the Lord's Church. When I got to sit at your feet last December, I was listening to you and I was just thinking, he really needs to talk to my father-in-law. <laughs> uh, ah, uh, that's as, right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as you were talking about developing young men, which I think is uh, very important as I have three young men in my own home, um, one of the challenges that, that we're facing on the other side of Hampton Roads uh, is not just training up leaders and men to lead, but getting men who are interested in spiritual things at all, because we can uh, have the discussion about um, men becoming leaders in the church, but if men are being led by, whether it's their children or by their wives or by some other reason right. to, to come to the Lord, then the other discussion is really moot. So what is your um, opinion or what have you seen that that would lead you to uh, help lead other men, not just to leadership, but but to the Lord first. I actually uh, that answer was going to be later on, but let me just delve a little bit into that. Um, you know, one of the things that I de developed here at the Chesapeake Church of Christ was a sound new converts class. Mm. Let me tell you. Um, we need to invest our time now in things like VBS again, uh, Vacation Bible School, and a new good new converts class. First of all, to get the spirit going of just developing our young people. 
And then we can easily branch off into programs for our young men. See, right now, a lot of our young men are wrestling with the idea of, well, I don't see anybody else doing it. See, and, and I, I begin to realize that that is a problem. Well, I don't see anyone else doing it. Well, and, and if we cultivate some good programs in a new converts class and a leadership develop, uh, um, a, um, a new converts class and a, a vacation Bible school where we can move some men up in different positions where they can teach others. And what they'll end up doing is getting the confidence, the confidence to step up in roles in the congregations. The other part of that is, um, as we're developing those programs, early on, we have got to take the time, and we do it at a Chesapeake, um, we've got to take the time to dedicate, even if it's just one time a month, to just let some of our younger men basically um, run the service. Mm. Pull them off to the side, prepare them, watch out for them, look after what they're doing, and let them actually run the service and even bring a lesson, if they're willing, on a Sunday afternoon or a Wednesday night for Bible class, maybe not necessarily in the main service, but if one is strong enough, strong enough, a young teenager who's dedicated to the Lord and can bring a sound message, well, you know what? The church is a family that can help build up our young people. And once one or two people will step forward and do it, more men will do it yeah. because they're the peers and they're looking to their peers. And that's how you develop leaders. Someone has to do it first and there's going to be mistakes and we have to, the, the leadership in place, whether they have elders or deacons there at all, the men in place need to put their arms around those young men who are willing to step up and show that we care about them, we love them, and we want to train them for future service in the Lord. That's how we begin. That's where we start from. Yeah, I, I just read some research here recently that the Barna Research Institute put out, they interviewed uh, or did surveys with more than 15,000 young people ages 18 to 35. And they were talking about the leadership crisis that exists mm -hmm. uh, in our country and, and spiritually as well as what we find in the secular realm. But the thing that stood out to me that was very interesting was a statement that the president, uh, David Kinneman, made about the research and what they discovered. And he made this statement that if we don't make room today for young leaders, they will not be around tomorrow. That's right. That's a right. Powerful thought because it's, it's really true. And what you're talking about is we need to make room for them. We need to give them opportunity to express their leadership in various ways, not doesn't necessarily have to be just in the realm of a public assembly, but giving them room to exercise some leadership skills and talents that will help them grow in their leadership. Let me, let me just add on to that. And again, I, I know I'll get to this later, but I, you, you got me on a roll. There's, there's, there's something that I, I, I had a deep discussion 
in while I was teaching a uh, part of the new converts class as an elder, I I agreed first up. I'm in the bat. Uh, I'm going to be teaching this class for the first six weeks as an example to show people how it's done. Um, and uh, we had a pretty full class, but we also had other men who wanted to see how to do it. Mm-hmm. And we got into a discussion about Philippians uh, 4, uh, 8. You know, when Paul starts talking about these things that he wants people to meditate on. You remember in, in Philippians 4, 8, Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these. I got to a point in the class where I asked everyone in there, to name something that would match just one of these characteristics. And the room was completely silent. Wow. And that told me that there is a problem. And and I'm saying this to say that we now have members in our body who outside of Jesus Christ, who matches all the criteria, we can't look to anything in society that matches these things because people have spent so much time tearing everything that's noble down. Yes. Everything that's pure down. So how do you get young people who are growing up in families who are constantly hearing negative things, even from members in the church, if they're constantly hearing negative things, why would they step up into a noble position as a deacon or an elder? Why would you want to do that if somebody's going to tear you down? You, you, you see what I'm saying? I do. And that's, that's where we've got to at this point. That's where we are. Yeah. People don't want to step in those roles at a young age to do anything because they're afraid someone's going to talk about them. Somebody's going to say, you know, well, you're, you're, what, what are you trying to do? Be noble? You're not noble. You're, you're not pure. I mean, yeah, I made mistakes in my life, but I'm trying to do better. Isn't that what the gospel is about? I'm yeah. trying to reach perfection. I'm striving for perfection. But we've got to, we got to train our young men. And at the, um, session that we had on Peninsula, I actually talked about this. Philippians 4.8, we have got to teach this better, and we've got to be forceful about it as men in the body to let other men know that they can reach things like this. Men in the household, that's a noble thought today. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, we're going to explore some more. So I wanted to encourage all of our listeners to uh, join us again. Uh, we need to wrap this up now, but Brother Frazier and Chuck, I, I appreciate both of you. I appreciate you taking time to join us uh, in this particular podcast. And I look forward to talking further uh, about some of these areas and even going deeper. I, I really want people to know about your website. I want people to know about your book. 
If someone wants to contact you, can you tell us how it would be best for them to do that? Absolutely. Right now through the website is www.masteringthepositive.com. Um, I, through my program, Mastering the Positive, I offer all types of um, business-related uh, services, but also church-related services. And that's where my book can actually be found. The uh, name of the book is Understanding the Greatest War Campaign Ever Conceived. And it's based on the book of Proverbs, where Solomon goes into all of these many things that we're talking about right now. And my book is written to make it as easy as possible to understand the war that's occurring between negative attributes and positive attributes and why there are so many problems in our society and in the church and most importantly, in the home. Absolutely. Well, we're going to explore that book in our next session. So yes, I encourage everybody to join us uh, next time as we uh, dig further into this. But I want to thank everyone for tuning in today and for listening. And I hope that you've been encouraged. And certainly, I uh, hope you'll join us again as we talk further with Brother Frazier and Chuck about uh, the areas of leadership that they have been discussing today. So thank you both. Appreciate your time today and look forward to visiting with you more in just a bit.